Hello, everybody. Pretty but weird episode two. We made it. We're here. We did it. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of me. <sighs> I've been so excited about recording this episode this week. I can't even tell you. I, I was so nervous about episode one because everything just felt really unknown. But ah, I feel like I have a clearer vision. I kind of know more what I want to talk about. <laughs> Not that I can guarantee that this is going to be any more organized or helpful to you than episode one. I mean, we're not that far into it. But hopefully some of what I have to say today will be inspiring. If it is, will you leave me a review? I think this podcast is officially like live on every major platform. Wow. Amazon. Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, all those. I feel like an official podcaster now. I've asked you for a review and you can find me anywhere podcasts are served. Served is not the right word. Whatever. Anyway, we're back. So happy to be here. I kind of have a few things I was having thinking about since episode one. And I I shared it with some of my like close friends, my people. And I got some good feedback. And it kind of led me to think a little bit more about like why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's all about finding your purpose, right? Like that's that's what life is about really. And that's what fulfilling work does is is help you serve your purpose in like a meaningful way. Um, So I think about that a lot. And part of that for me has been really diving into just like reflect self-reflection, self-help, motivation, material and books and podcasts and all those things. So anyway, I've been I've been thinking a lot about that kind of stuff lately. It's been in my mind and it's it's really helped me to get out of the funk that I was in for so long, just trying to deal with all the heavy personal stuff that I was working through and Okay, actually, I need to backtrack. I have like so much to share, honestly. First of all, I got to tell you a story because it applies to what's happening today. So let's start with a story, shall we? This is the dumbest story ever. I don't even know why I wrote it down, but in the moment, it felt really insightful. (laughs) So here we go. Me and Vincent were cleaning the bathroom in preparation for my cousin's coming. We generally try to clean one, one room a day in our house. We have like a chore chart and we do one room a day. It was Monday, we were doing the bathroom and we have this bottle of Clorox bleach that had run out and we wanted to refill it. And it's like one of those fancy bottles where the hosey thing runs all the way down the side of the bottle to the bottom. So it's like a nice one. But, you know, it's a little more complicated in the way that the nozzle part attaches to the bottle because of that hose that's like stuck in the bottle. Anyway, um, so Vincent was refilling it and then he, you know, screws the, you know, squeezy part back on and he's spraying and spraying and nothing's coming out. It's like no longer working. It was working a minute ago and it's no longer working. And he's getting frustrated and he's like, it's broken. It's not working. It's broken. And I was like, are you sure that it's broken? Because it was just working. And he's like, well, yeah, but it's not working now. Like something's different. And he was like about to give up really quickly because it's frustrating. And I said, wait, try again. Like just open it and then close it again. He's like, what's that going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Try it. So he opens it up. He looks around, doesn't see anything wrong. He screws the lid back on exactly the same way that he did before. And he squeezes that trigger and it sprays and everything's fine. I was sitting there thinking... You know, (laughs) this is one of those moments where why it wasn't working didn't matter because all we needed to do was just try it again. Sometimes I think it's really easy to get caught up in the why when what you need to do is just keep trying. And there are times when you need to understand the why so that you cannot make the same mistakes if you're doing something wrong. But if it's the thing that's not working and not you, then sometimes that thing just needs a little restart. You know, that's something that I learned from my stepdad. He is like, 
a super tech guy. He's been super fascinated and an active participant in the home computer market since home computers became a thing. So he really knows his stuff. He always has. And anytime we had any problems with like our computers or our phones, he was like the guy that was like, hey, this isn't working. Can you help me fix this? And 99% of the time, it would just be, did you restart? No, you restart and suddenly it's working. And he wouldn't need to do anything. He would just remind us to restart. And he, he'd remind me to do that enough times. I, th- I actually made one year for Christmas. I made him a little cross-stitch, little embroidery that to put on his desk that said, keep calm and restart your computer. Because that literally was just something that I learned from him and, and it's always really stuck with me. But sometimes that's just what you need to do, right? So that's what this podcast is for me, for sure. It's kind of even just the season of life that I'm in right now is I've just restarted. I've just restarted. I've restarted and suddenly it feels like it's working when it didn't before. And I'm not sure why. And you know what? If I get stuck trying to figure out the why when it's already working now, then I'm going to be wasting time. So that's what I'm trying to remember. (laughs) It's really hard to do, right? Because we're humans and humans like to analyze things and understand things. And this kind of goes into something that I've realized about myself is that I do really get caught up in understanding why. And sometimes I get caught up in understanding why so much that I convince myself that understanding why something's happening is the same as fixing that thing. And it's not. It's not. It's not something that I'm learning. The hard part with that is, you know, it's it's almost like we all need seasons of rest and seasons of action. You know, it's kind of like, you know, in spring and summer when a plant is growing really quickly, you know, flowers bloom, pollen gets pollinated and, you know, new plants bloom and, and things grow. And then you enter fall. That's the season we're in right now in on earth, right? <laughs> we're in the fall time here in New York City and leaves are falling and things are slowing down and things are getting colder. And we're going to enter winter soon where all the plants are dead and all the grass is gone and all the flowers are gone. All the trees are bare, but they're not dead. They're resting. They're gathering strength. And come spring, those flowers will appear again. The leaves will burst out of those bare branches on the trees and everything will be beautiful and it'll be magical and wonderful. I love springtime in New York just as much as I love fall (laughs) for that reason. And I realized that I've been in fall and winter for a long time. I I felt like I was dying. I felt dead inside. Like I, I just felt like overwhelmed, stressed out. I felt like I was barely surviving. And I was I was in fall and winter. And I feel like I'm ready to spring back into action right now. It's ironic because it's obviously we're reverse seasoning here in Emma world, but we're reverse seasoning, whatever. I I feel like this is my springtime and like I'm ready to go. And I remember to restart finally. I remember to just start again and not worry so much about why things felt so hard, not worry so much about the psychology of what wasn't working for me. Just try it again. I had this season of rest and and I'm ready to go. The the part where this analogy falls apart is that we're humans. So because we're not plants that only have like one objective and know exactly what we're supposed to do, we're humans. So we have to choose what to do. We have to figure out our objective and our purpose. And I think that's unfair. I don't know. I don't know why we have to do that. You know, like, why do we make it so complicated? Why are there so many consequences? <laughs> to what we're doing. We as humans, we've made it really complicated for ourselves. But anyway, this analogy works up until that point. So just pretend like pretend like that makes sense. Now that I have restarted, part of that was getting back into a lot of like self-help type stuff. Not so much self-help, but like psychology, mindset, how habits work in our lives. I mentioned compound effect last week and 
that goes right along with that. That was just one of many things that I've looked at and, you know, consumed to try to help me. And podcasts I found have been a little more successful in motivating me. But I've I've started a lot of books too that I've really liked. The one I can think of off the top of my head that I've read most recently and did not finish is called Stretch. It was one that uh, I heard on the Brene Brown podcast. She interviewed the um, the author on there. And that book is about people who stretch the resources they have versus people who chase new resources and how successful people and companies stretch resources. And we all start as stretchers, but life circumstance and fear and uh, lack of confidence lead us to become chasers a lot of the time. And how can we become stretchers and thereby be more successful and more satisfied with our lives and all of that. So I am in the middle of that book and that along with like three or four other books that I've started, I realized I haven't finished. Why haven't I finished these books? They're so good. And I just am someone who loves knowledge. I love understanding the why. I get so caught up in that why. I do think it's helpful to understand the psychology of why you're doing what you're doing. If, keyword if, you take that information and you go and you use it. And I realized I'd been stopping all of these books right when you get to the chapters about what to do with the information they've given you. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the format, but usually the first part of the book will be all about the how and the what. And, you know, they give you all the studies and all the sources and talk, you know, show you examples of the difference between people who do one thing versus people who do another and, you know, share success stories and all of that. And then you get about halfway through the book and they're like, okay, so how can you take this and use it? What do you need to do in your life? Here are some examples of people who've changed and, you know, maybe you'll see some of this in yourself. And I realized I was stopping these books right when I got to the action part. I wasn't ready yet. You know, I was in that season of winter. I wasn't ready to start sprouting new leaves. I wasn't ready to grow another foot. So I would stop at the point where I had to go use the information I had. I'm happy to say that that's not my problem anymore. I've overcome it. And I'm here in this growth phase. Compound Effect was the first book I finished. I mentioned it in the last podcast too. But it really was so revolutionary for me because it was what I needed to start paying attention to those little things like, why am I not finishing these books? (laughs) And ask myself and analyze it and then make changes based on that. And oh man, it's been really life-changing for me to do that. It's been so good. I've been, for the first time, really able to implement a lot of these changes in my life. One of them being a good morning routine. That's something that Darren Hardy of The Compound Effect really recommends. He has a really great structure for it too. It's part of all of these like worksheets that you can download after you've read the book, which I think are really great. They're great tools to help you kind of analyze your life. They're about analyzing how you spend your time and who you spend your time with and if your goals are realistic goals. And then he kind of lays out, he calls it a morning two by two. I'll explain it because I think that it's awesome. I think that everyone should do it. And I I think I might also share some of the other things that I've implemented from other sources also because I just, guys, morning routines are so crucial. Maybe if they're not for you, you're lucky. But I know for me, it really does set up my whole day. I can see the difference. I can feel the difference. I never want to go back to what I was doing before, which is nothing, (laughs) which is waking up late and sitting on my phone and scrolling for about an hour and then spending the rest of the day on my phone in the background trying to get work done, but also feeling really bad about myself. That was what I was doing. I was miserable and I'm so happy now. So 
Let's talk about morning routines, shall we? So Darren Hardy's morning two by two, this is like the launch pad that I use to create what I'm doing now, which I'm really happy with. The two by two is the two things that you do at night to set yourself up for a good morning. And then the two things you do in the morning to set yourself up for a good day. So the two things you do at night, um, he calls it sprint prep and then quality sleep. So sprint prep is obviously figuring out what you need to do the next day. For me, that translated into, I I love like worksheets and stuff, planners, stuff you can download on Etsy. I love that. I like supporting small creators and also I find them really helpful. So I found this one. It's like a daily goals to-do list type of little sheet. And I I print it half sheet size. And every day I write down basically just like my goals for the day, my goals for my life. (laughs) And then I also write down my to-dos, top priorities, and then like a more detailed to-do list for the day. And then any appointments I need to have. And then any notes like make sure to watch this person's video and comment on it because you haven't talk to them in a while, you know, little things like that, that I remember. I write it all down on these little to-do lists and then I clip it to um, this board that hangs on my desk so that I can see it all day long. And I just check things off as I do them. I So every night now I go through my to-do list for the day, see what I got done. Don't feel guilty about it, but pass along the things that I didn't get done today onto the next day, prep my to-do list for the next day. And then I put it up on my board. So it's ready to go in the morning. And then I also correspond that with the Google Calendar. I like to look at the classes that Vincent has going the next day. So I kind of be aware of like when I'm going to be sitting quietly editing, stuff like that, you know, when he is teaching so that I'm not accidentally, you know, for instance, recording a podcast when he's trying to teach because that doesn't work. So I correspond my to-do list with the Google Calendar so I know when I'm doing what and I'm ready to go for the next day. I don't even have to think when I wake up the next morning. Um, Oh, part of that also is identifying your... MVP, your most valuable priority, and then also identifying how you're going to spend the morning, like what you're going to work on in the morning first thing. So there's an explanation. Sprint prep, I think, is so helpful for me to self-reflect on my day. I also try to make time to jot down a few things I'm grateful for at the end of every day when I'm moving my to-do list things over. That's one thing that's also included on that daily goals is like a little spot for gratitude, which I think is so awesome. Write down the thing I'm grateful for, pass things on to the next day, get my day ready, correspond it with my Google calendar. That's what I do the night before. And then obviously quality sleep, like not looking at your phone screen right before bed, making sure you're getting enough hours of sleep, making sure it's dark and quiet where you're sleeping, all that stuff. That's something that he really highlights as being important because I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, Part of quality sleep also is making sure your body's tired enough. So he really encourages exercise. I've been trying to exercise. I have not been super successful at it. I hate exercising. So that's something I still need to work on. But that's the other thing that he mentions as part of quality sleep, which I appreciate remembering that like if you want to be tired when you go to bed and sleep well, your body has to be physically tired. Being mentally tired is not enough. Anyway, so that's the two things to do at night. And then in the morning, he calls it the morning kickstart and the morning jam session. So kickstart is the things that you do to mentally prepare for your day. And then the jam session is 90 minutes of concentrated work. So I figure out what I'm going to be spending my jam session time on the night before as part of my to-do list. So I don't have to think about it in the morning. And for my kickstart, that's the part where you just want to build really good habits, like a routine that you just never change. So For me, that translated into waking up around six, putting on a pot of coffee, and then sitting in bed and doing what we call morning pages. If you've read The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, uh, it's a great book. She's awesome. It's been around for like 25 years and helped millions of people. It's a well-known method, but it's something that really works for me as someone who doesn't super love like meditating or traditional journaling. Morning pages is basically you do three pages, handwritten, on like eight and a half by 11 of just really honestly anything. The point is just to wake up while your brain is still foggy. You just jot down what your subconscious wants to tell you. And 
the way that she describes it is like you could start with I don't know what to write and if you just keep going by the end of page three you will have you will have had some thoughts you will have worked through some things and I know that's really true for me I even got Vincent onto it he's never been a journaler but he's really enjoying doing that I have been a journaler so for me it felt a lot more natural to write things down but yeah it takes about 20 or 30 minutes so I wake up put on a pot of coffee sit and write 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 whatever I'm thinking of for 20 or 30 minutes, three pages, done. Never look at it again. A lot of people literally burn them. Like the point is just to get it out of your brain. There's something really cathartic about writing things down handwritten. And it's really important to do it handwritten, um, not typed, because then you have time to kind of think as you're writing. You can, you know, you can't write as fast as you can type. Anyway, this is getting into too much detail, but that's what I do in the morning, morning pages. After that, I like to wash my face and, you know, drink my coffee and read for about 30 minutes. Sometimes I'll meditate for 10 minutes too after morning pages or after reading, depending on if I feel like I need to quiet my mind a little bit more. Like if I'm feeling restless, then I'll just kind of meditate for a little bit. Let, let me process my thoughts. Um, and then after that, I do my jam, my morning jam session. And because I figured it out the night before, I just go. So that's huge for me. I know that was a really detailed explanation, but I don't know about you, but I love hearing about other people's routines. I think that's fascinating. And it always gives me ideas of like what I can implement. And a lot of this is based on what Darren Hardy does. And it's been so good for me. I can't even tell you how good it's been. I, It sets me up for a strong day. I, I'm not on my phone. I'm not on my phone when I do this. It's amazing the difference that it makes for me, honestly. Basically, what it means is that if I wake up at 6, by 10 a.m., I've already gotten in half an hour of reading, journaling, meditating, washing my face, and like two hours of work. And I'm, it's only 10 a.m. It's amazing. Usually by noon, I've done hours of editing and whatever important work I needed to do in my morning jam session. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. I can't recommend morning pages enough um, as a way to process thoughts and emotions if you're not a super spiritual person. It's great. It's a great way to kind of do non-traditional meditation also. Um, Julia Cameron, the author of Artist's Way, describes it as her meditation. That's what she does. So yeah, there you go. That's some things that I've been doing that have helped me so much. And it's all based on being in a season of doing, you know? I figured out why I was struggling in my day, it's because I wasn't setting myself up for a strong day. I was waking up eight, spending about an hour browsing on my phone in bed, and then trying to get to work after that. How am I supposed to work after that? I spent all morning consuming all of this crap on social media and laying still in bed lethargic. How am I supposed to get up and be super productive and chipper and happy and thriving after that? No one can. If you're doing that, you're not thriving either, guaranteed. That's been like really good for me is you know, it's along those lines of consume less, create more, right? Instead of spending the morning consuming, especially consuming things that aren't helpful, like I'm creating, I'm I'm doing morning pages. I'm, you know, listening to music instead of podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever. And the only thing I'm consuming is 30 minutes of like a nonfiction book. <laughs> it's been huge for me. So that's been really good. Um, that's one thing that the compound effect has fundamentally changed for me. And I don't think I can ever go back. I'm, I'm addicted to this morning routine right now. And even the mornings where I need extra sleep, if I don't wake up at six, I still do morning pages. I still do a jam session. Like I get going. I get going, which is so cool. Anyway, there you go. There's some little motivation for you to like evaluate your morning routine and see where it can improve. It's made a world of difference for me. And so another thing that the compound effect has forced me to analyze, this is not supposed to be a compound effect episode. This is more of a how I restarted and what I'm doing differently now episode. But I am talking about compound effect a lot because I feel like I need to give credit where it's due, you know, and and they do get a lot of credit on this. So one other thing that compound effect has in their worksheets is evaluating like where you get your information from and how much time you're spending on it. 
The worksheet itself is a lot more news geared. I'm a millennial, so I don't even have cable. <laughs> like I get all my information from social media, from, you know, Reddit, from those places. So for me, I kind of turned that part of the worksheets into like just like looking at my screen time, looking at like my social media time. Oh my gosh, guys. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, talking about restarting how I do things like oh my gosh I forced myself to run the numbers I knew it was going to be painful but it was worse than I thought man I had some bad days for sure when I was a lot more depressed and you know during quarantine I didn't have literally anything to do and I wasn't doing anything creative so I literally had like eight hours a day logged screen time I definitely was doing other things like cleaning the house or playing video games, none of it super productive or helpful. But you know, I wasn't literally just sitting and staring at my phone, I would be listening to stuff while I did other things is my point. But literally, like during quarantine, there were a lot of eight hour screen time days, really bad. Before I even did this worksheet, though, I had already started to change some of my habits. And we had, you know, we'd watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix, which helped us cut down one, like have a desire to cut down on screen time too. just realizing how manipulated we are by social media. So by the time I was doing this worksheet, I think I was down to about five hours a day. Literally, guys, like a couple hours a day on Instagram, an hour a day on Reddit. Like, oh my gosh. Oh, so I saw that and I was just like, oh man, this is going to be bad. But part of the worksheets is analyzing how much time that really is, you know, every day, month, week, year, whatever. So I forced myself to do it. Go look at your screen time right now. If you, if you have access to that on your phone or whatever, go look. If yours is anywhere near about five hours a day like it was mine, then this will directly apply to you too. And you need to hear this because it's super important. Like listen to this and do something about it. Five hours a day on your phone is 1,833 hours a year. Do you know how many days that is a year? Nonstop 24-hour days, 76, 10 weeks. I'm recording this October 16th. That means that I would have to have my phone on, playing something, scrolling, playing a game, nonstop, no sleep, no bathroom breaks, no nothing. From today until December 31st, the rest of 2020, that's how much screen time I'm spending a year with my eyes on my phone. That's disgusting. That is shocking. That's gross. That's scary. That's horrifying. I knew it was going to be bad. I knew it was. And that's why I did it, right? Because you have to you have to be able to reflect on your life if you want to change, if you want to grow, if you want to be better. You have to do this. You can't just float through. You can't just pretend like everything's fine. This kind of stuff is what affects your mental health. This is, this is the kind of stuff that keeps you from achieving your potential and achieving your goals and your dreams. This is it. It's not a big accident that forced you to stay in bed for a month that kept you from being productive. It's spending too many hours on your phone every day. Little choices, little choices are what make the difference. 10 weeks, 10 weeks, day and night on your phone if you are spending five hours a day on it like I was. Wow. You know what you could do in 10 weeks nonstop in 1,833 hours of work, of productivity, of creating? Oh my gosh. The potential there is huge. You have to act on it. And really, I'm speaking for myself here, but I also know I'm speaking for you too because guaranteed somebody who's listening to this is putting that much screen time in also. So hear me and change. Do it now. Don't waste any more time. Don't waste more time consuming instead of creating. Stop consuming. Consuming is just paying the people who are doing the creating. 
which is great for them if that's what you you know care more about is getting making sure other people get paid then wow very altruistic of you but that's probably not why you're on your phone right it's not for them it's it's for you which means that you're not benefiting yourself and that sucks so anyway once i realized that i was like that was probably the biggest catalyst for change of anything just realizing my screen time so shocking <laughs> that was what's kept me on my good morning routine where i don't spend hours scrolling on my phone all day because I start off not looking at my phone until like 10 a.m. I'm doing other things. I'm I'm being productive, so I don't need my phone. And that kind of keeps me off my phone for the rest of the day too. And I, I changed my screen time limits. I think it's about half an hour for all the different apps, Instagram, Reddit, phone games. So I do still hit those limits, but an hour and a half a day is a lot better than <laughs> five hours a day, right? I think it is anyway. So there you go. There's... <laughs> There's a little wake up call for you. I didn't mean for this to get so dark, but like, wow, <laughs> we're all addicts, man. We're we're all addicts in some way. Figure out figure out what your screen time thing is. You know, figure out what it is for you that you're spending too much time on that's causing you to f- feel stuck and unmotivated because that's that's probably the thing that's keeping you from doing what you need to do. And it's so insidious and it's so it's. It's really hard to nail down to yourself and I'm just really grateful for a restart, you know. I'm grateful for a new season. I'm I'm so excited for the holidays in New York City. This is the first year. Vincent and I have been married for three years. This is the first year that we'll be alone for all of the holidays. And a lot of it has to do with COVID. We were planning on kind of going back and forth every year between like Arizona and France to make sure we saw all of our families. But COVID's prevented us from making any plans this year. And I feel like I'm going to miss having more people around, but we're also kind of really excited to just hang out with each other. We, I think we've earned a Christmas alone. You know, we, we spent our first Christmas with Vincent's family and our second Christmas with my family. And then last Christmas we flew home to Arizona again. So we haven't had any time alone. And granted, you know, there's, we don't know what it's going to look like the ho- for the holidays this year. There's definitely going to be less activities to do than I'd like. You know, like the the Thanksgiving Day Parade isn't something that we're going to be able to go to in person. The Rockefeller Christmas tree lighting, again, is something that's not going to be done in person. So that's going to be kind of hard. But I'm really excited to hang out with him and like form some little independent family memories. You know, it's going to be good. I literally... I literally had the urge to listen to Christmas music when Vince and I were cooking and you know that that hasn't gone away I still want to but it's October so we're trying to do spooky things instead as long as I get my caramel apple pops that I get every year around Halloween then I'll be good for that <laughs> um and yeah I think it's gonna be really fun I'm so glad that you guys are here listening to me I'm honored I'm honored that you would spend this time with me amazing so cool so grateful I'm so grateful don't forget to leave a review if you thought this was insightful or impactful or um, funny or boring or hard to get through or rambly or annoying or anything, just leave me a review so that I can improve because how are we supposed to grow if we don't get any feedback on how we're doing? You know what I mean? I need feedback. Also, Pretty Bit Weird Pod is on Instagram. I will include the link to that in the show notes. So go follow me there so that in the future, if I have something that I want to ask you, I can do it and you'll see it. Super important. And I really want you guys to be able to participate. So um, follow me there. Love you so much. Talk to you next week. Have a great one.